you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. So we're continuing on chapter 5 of our series. But before that, I just want to say thank you for coming. Welcome to Life in the Sun if this is your first time with us. In behalf of our pastor, Pastor Mark and Terry Binabenti, we'd like to welcome you. They are, uh, they are currently off-island right now. They are in Singapore, correct? Or Singapore. <laughs> uh, Terry is in Singapore. I think Mark has uh, just made his way there. So welcome. If you're visiting with us, uh, you would see him in a couple of weeks. Just in case you're wondering, so who's leading the church? Week three of our series talks about overseers. So who leads the church? Overseers. Leadership leads the church. So anyway, thank you for coming. So go ahead and we'll uh, uh, do chapter, not chapter five, week number five. Okay. So if you've been following along, if you've been here for this past uh, four weeks, five weeks, we have been going through a series called Church Community. So this is week number five. This is supposed to be the closing week, but we've divided week number five into two weeks. So I'm going to be talking about uh, chapter five today. And next week, somebody else will come along and talk to us about uh, the remainders of that point. Okay, that'll be good. So let's just do a recap. So this is chapter five. Uh, Okay, let's do a recap. So this is what we've been going through or what we have gone through. First one, we have talked about the pattern or we have answered the question, what is the church, right? Then in week number two, we answered the question, why do we exist? Why does the church exist? Week number three, we talked about who leads the church. As I just mentioned earlier, the pastor leads the church. But since Pastor Mark is not here, the church continues because of what the church is about, okay? And then week number four, last week, uh, I talked to you about how do we support the church. We talked about... um, Biblical stewardship. Amen. Everybody blessed with that. In fact, a lot of people came up and were asking, so are we going to do something like that? And yes, there's a work that's going on. Pastor Mark, uh, we've talked about how we can put all this together. So in the future, we'll let you know we're going we're gonna to do a, a financial stewardship based on the Bible. Okay? So that's what we've been going through. So week five, we're going to talk about participation. And we're going to answer the question, how do I get involved? All right, how do I get involved? I'll go ahead and show Acts chapter 2, and I'll give you guys the background of what's going on here. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. This is the birth of the church. This is how the church started off. Uh, The first revelation of the church happens in Matthew, when Jesus asked his disciples when they were in... uh, uh, Philippi, Caesarea, I think that's what it was. And Jesus asked his disciple, who do people say that I am? So that's what Jesus asked his disciples. And some of the disciples say, you are like John. You're like Elijah. You're like one of the prophets. That's what they said. Then Peter, being Peter, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus told Peter, you are, you are right, Peter. But flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my father in heaven Revealed this to you. So that was the first revelation of the church given to man. Okay? It was given to Peter. The revelation of the church. And there you see two foundations. Are really, I want to say two, but it seems like it's really only one. And that foundation is that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. That's the foundation of the, of the church. That 
the church is only there because Jesus was the Savior. And the second one was that Jesus is God. And that really is the two foundations. I mean, I know we have a lot of, uh, uh, we have a lot of the mission's ambition, but it really boils down to that. And Jesus said, my father rebuilt this to you, Peter. So the son, Jesus, and the father collaborated just really to give a revelation to Peter that this is the church. It's based on these two foundations, that Jesus is the Savior. Nobody else comes in through the church without Jesus being the Savior. Pretty much that's what it says. And that Jesus is God, which allows him to be able to save. Amen? That's it. That really is the, the foundation of the church. Jesus is Christ. And Jesus is God. So if you come across any other foundation about church, it has to be what was revealed by the Father and what was revealed by Jesus himself. That I am Christ, not me, but Jesus is the Christ, and that he is God. Amen? So what happens here? <clears throat> this is after all of this had happened. Jesus was crucified after Pentecost. Peter preached the sermon that got uh, 3,000 people saved. Now here they are. It says... So they continue, uh, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. This is what was going on. But before this, you have to realize that the church came out of, an, of a, how do you say it, a religious practice called Judaism. And really what they would do, or uh, I mean, of course it's more complicated than that, but but uh, just to sum it up, they were so used to going to the temple on their Shabbat or their Sabbath. They come for congregation, for convocation, because there are festivals, because there's offerings. So every event that happens, they would go to the temple. So the entire nation, that's why when Jesus was about to be crucified, everybody came for the Passover. When the Pentecost, which is 50 days after the uh, Passover, everybody is again in Jerusalem. All Hebrew of Hebrews of the entire nation would go and congregate in Jerusalem because that has been the representation of the presence of God is where the temple is. So it, for them, it's a lifestyle or it's really a way of events, of festivities, festival. But then all of a sudden, the church broke through or it was birthed. Now it no longer was just an event. It was no longer just a Sunday Shabbat. It was no longer just the, the piece of festivals, the Yom Kippur, all of that. It actually made a change from what used to be just an event on the Sabbath, an event on the festivities, an event during this, uh, the offering. Now it became continually, daily. It says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So what happened? What was once before an event or a practice of sacrifices, a practice of festivities, you can say in Guam, I guess we, we should say fiestas, of what uh, a practice of fiestas where everybody would come to one place in Jerusalem because the temple is there. It now has become something that they have been, they started to do daily. They did daily uh, with one accord, they did it not only in the temple. Now they started doing it uh, from house to house. Amen? So there was a transition. A transition from an event 
to a way of living. That's what happened. The, and that's, I believe, was the, that was really what the revelation that, that the God gave to Peter, that upon this rock, upon this foundation, I will build my church. And that's what we talked about in week number one. What is the church? The church is not a building, but it is a gathering of disciples, a gathering of people who believe. Believe what? That Jesus is the Christ and that Jesus is God. That was the ones that were added that day. People who believe that Jesus was, uh, Jesus was the Messiah and that Jesus was God. The same people that 50 days earlier on that event said, crucify him, was the very people that confess, Lord, you are Christ and you are God. Amen? So that's what happened. So the church is not a building, but though we say it is like a building because every material that, uh, that forms a, a building is needed to be together. So that's what you are. That's what who we are. So, but now it has transitioned from an event. That's why we say a church is not just a Sunday two-hour event where you get involved for two hours. You come to this building, which has no name and only says what worship center in the front. So, so when people ask for direction, you really don't know where to tell them. Oh, so where do you guys meet? Uh, that building that says worship center, that's where we meet. See, so it's no longer just an event that happens two hours each Sunday. And then after you leave the two-hour event, you're, no lo- you're not involved for the rest of the week. No, it now has become something that they continually do. So if prayer was only done in the church, then prayer became something that they did. Amen? So... Go ahead and let's do the next slide. Let me show you. But is this really out of just our own doing? No, it's not. Uh, last week I talked about salvation, how salvation is 100% God. There's nothing that we can boast about. Was that yes, last week? Yes, last week I talked about salvation, how salvation is a gift from God. And that's how I tied in uh, stewardship, the same thing. Everything that we own, everything that we get, every every strength that we have comes from God. And it's the same thing. When we get into, a, into our way of life, the first things all, all that God asks from us is to believe what he says and then to surrender, to submit. And if we do that, God gives us the empowerment. It's what you call grace. But in fact, grace is really much more bigger. But uh, let's stick to that. God gives you the empowerment to do those certain things. And this is what Paul was talking about in Philippians. It says, being confident of this very thing that he who, has a begun, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So if you're part of this gathering, meaning you're now a believer, Paul says that it is God who began that work in you. Coming out of Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 2 verse 8 and 9, it says, we have been predestined for good works. So this is, what God, this is what Paul was talking about. It is God who began that work. It is God who draws you into him. It is God who said, I, I will work salvation in you. And then, and then we get this promise from uh, Philippians or from Paul saying that he's the one that began that work in you. And he will complete that work in you. And he is faithful to do it. Then the next one he says this. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. What does that mean? It means that it is that internal empowerment that God gives you that he says, God, for it is God who works in you both to will. 
He's the one that gives you the willingness to do it. A verse before this, 2.12, is about work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not work for your salvation, but work out your salvation. When you go to the gym, what do you do? You work out. You exercise. Okay? So how can you work it out? Because God has worked it in you. Does that make sense? The reason why you can do what you do to the things for the, for the kingdom of God is because God has first worked it in you. Does that make sense? Everything, uh, quoting back uh, C.S. Lewis from last week, it says, every faculty we have, way we think, the way we move, even if we say that we exclusively say, Lord, I give everything to you, at the end of the day, it's, it's really, in a sense, it's like there's really nothing in us that we can say is really our, is ours unless it was given to us by God. The very desires that you want or the very desires that you want to, to work or say minister comes from him. It says in Psalms that those who delight in the Lord, well not delight in the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now that can be taken in two, uh, two, uh, two ways. It says that God will give you the desires that you're praying for. And also at the same time, you can take it away that when you focus all your attention to God, a desire will come out from you. It's God's desire. So even the desires you have to work for the kingdom of God comes from him. The willingness to do it comes from him. That's what it says. Works in you both to will and the doing comes from him. Do you see that? All he's really asking for us is a surrender. That's all. If you are willing to surrender your will to him, God will work out everything. And then uh, uh, third part of this Philippians, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is all coming from Philippians. Paul was writing to the Philippians because he's talking about service. And he's really talking about laboring for Christ. And really, participation is that word. We just put a better word. <laughs> it's not a better word, but we just put it a different word. But participation is really about laboring for the kingdom, giving service to the kingdom of God, and putting ministry for the kingdom of God. That's what participation really is. How do you get involved in the church? Well, you minister. You put in service. Amen? So really, the desires for you to serve God comes from Him. Isn't that amazing? The willingness, to you, the willingness for you to do or to walk in that desire comes from Him. The strength to do it comes from him. All he's asking for is, will you surrender? I got this. Basically, God is saying, I got this. All I really need from you is to surrender. Your willingness to do it. Amen? Amen. I think we can even stop right here now. No. Going on. Next. Next. Uh, next. Uh, I think I made my point already. So how do I get involved? See, when you know that everything that you will ever have for the kingdom of God comes from him... It really makes it so much easier to get yourself involved. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? So how, but because we're going to be talking about how to, to get involved, well, we can get involved first this, uh, by this. Participation. That's how we get involved. We participate of what the church does. And what is really participation? It's when you turn an action into a way of life. When it's no longer, oh, I have to be in a Sunday service because that's, that's the tr traditional thing to do. No. It's, uh, it's, really because you want, you, it's really because you see that there really is a good thing when we come on Sunday. Of course, uh, 
Of course, the Bible would encourage you to do not forsake the coming together of the believers for some of you have already uh, done or where some of you are doing. Okay, so let's go ahead. Next page or next slide. So how do you participate? By cultivating a lifestyle of devotion. In what areas? Go ahead. Coming from Acts chapter 2. Next slide, please. So how do you cultivate a lifestyle of devotion? Remember, this is no longer just a Sunday. It's no longer a time that we come together at two hours. We get involved for two hours. That's no longer how the church was. It's now become a gathering of believers who believe that Jesus is the Savior and that Jesus is God. So what they, did they start doing? They would always be together. And this is what they ended up devoting themselves to. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now, sometimes it's, there's a difficulty of understanding the Bible because we really, really have no background of the story. And it's good if you're in, you can get, uh, start a habit of trying to figure out what was the background of the story. Of course, the apostles' doctrine is really now your Bible. Everything that they taught then, they didn't have. The New Testament was not present during this time because this is the New Testament. Okay, what they had was the Old Testament, which was in the temple, rolled up like a carpet. So every time they look at the passage, they have to unroll the, the entire thing, and that's when they can read. And it was only in the temple. And that's why the verse I showed you earlier, they would continually go to the temple because they want to read the Word of God. Because they did not have a cell phone that can pretty much pop up your, uh, your Bible. But today, we're living in an age where you can have your Bible in uh, in in paperbound, in iPhone, in Android, whatever uh, translations you want it, whatever language you want it, you can get it. It's right at the, your fingertip, isn't it? But for them, they would. For them, it was in the temple, so they would come together and they devoted themselves going to the temple and they devoted themselves to really listening to the apostles, who are the apostles, uh, pretty much the twelve, uh, the twelve disciples minus one. Of, uh, that was originally with Jesus. So that's what they devoted themselves into. So if they were able to do that, I believe we can pretty much be able to devote ourselves to reading the Bible, right? You can read it on your own version. And church, I, we're not even going to talk about the benefits, of the, the benefits of just reading. So that was one thing that they devoted, them, they devoted themselves into. That the Bible reading is no longer just a two-hour event. So here's my, here's, my, here's my challenge to you guys. Let not Bible reading just be a two-hour. It's just when I, it's what you see in the screen and that's it. You have any time of the day right at your phone, you can read the Bible. Okay? Read the Bible. The, the, the best ingredients for spiritual growth is reading the Bible and then the other one later on. So that's what they devoted themselves into, reading the Bible. Or that's what the, the present church would look like. Next is through fellowship. This is rather easy. The church was born out of this. There was one time when the church was smaller. We were, I was rooming in with Pastor Roland. I don't know if you guys remember them. I remember him. There was one time I think we have a fellowship, and most of us back then were single, so we're like like 30 people in one house just having fellowship. 
what uh, when we asked uh, Chris, Chris and his life group to come up, that's fellowship. So that's what we should, or that's what they were doing. They were fellowshipping. They were getting together. They were always getting together. In fact, as of now, there's a life group here or, or a life group here. Their problem is they cannot stay away from each other. They stay so long in their life group. They end up the next day still fellowshipping. And if, you, if you've uh, come across their life group, you better know how to sing because they're going to make you sing karaoke. <laughs> yeah, but the thing, so like what I said, somehow this is one of the, we don't have a problem with fellowship. Okay? But if you're not in a life group yet, and that's why we're parading the life group, is because life happens in a life group. It does. Sunday, we see you for a few hours, but on a life group, you can come in tired, you can come in frustrated, you can come in with the, you messed up with the, the food that you're bringing in, but it's still okay. You can laugh about it, you can sing your song later on, and everybody will forget. But the thing is, prayers happen in life group. Encouragement happens in life group. Fun happens in life group. The three Ps of life in the sun, food, fun, and fellowship. That happens in life group. Yeah, fellowship happens. Uh, and, and, and hopefully that's why we parade the life group is that get into one. That's really why we're, what we're trying to say. Life happens in life group. Life is more fun when you, you have friends around you. It's easier when you go to trials and there's people that can pray for you. The next thing that they devoted themselves into is the breaking of bread. <clears throat> The breaking of bread was actually different from the way they were doing it from the way we're doing it now. We just actually did our communion. That really is the breaking of bread. I'm not going to touch much on this, but uh, uh, there are two elements in the communion, the bread and the wine. Each one of them has a different provision. When I say provision, it means there's two different purposes for them. The Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The wine represents the blood of Jesus. So therefore, that represents our righteousness. It represents the forgiveness of our sin. But the bread, somehow we have incorporated that also as for our forgiveness of sin. Well, in fact, it's not. It's really a provision for the healing of our body. That's what the communion is about. So you got the wine for, the, for righteousness, for the forgiveness of your sin. And you got the bread that's why it says in Isaiah, but the, by the beating that he bore, that he took away our pain, the, the stripes that he bore, he has healed us. So the bread represents healing, a provision of healing for our body, and the wine represents righteousness that he have obtained because he laid down his life. That's what the communion is about. So they devoted themselves also to communion, and we just did that. We did the communion earlier. But here's the thing. You don't need to wait for Sunday to do communion. You don't need Pastor Mark, you don't need me, you don't need Ben to administer communion. You can do it on your own. Me and my wife would do this uh, as much as possible, uh, but, but sometimes we, we don't get to do it. But you can. Here's my encouragement. You can do communion on your own house. Amen? Good. So that's what they devoted themselves into and then into prayer. They devoted themselves into prayer. Prayer... Uh, I don't know how else to say it. Prayer is your communication line. <clears throat> okay? 
God speaks to us primarily through the word. God can also speak to us through the prophetic word. God can speak to us through a, your own language, through dreams, uh, through, how do they say, visions. God speaks to us in many ways. But primarily, it's the word of God that he speaks to us through. How we communicate with him, how do we speak to him? Through prayers. And just like how I said earlier, you can be as, uh, as natural as you can when you approach your father in heaven. You can. Yes, there is a protocol. Or there's not really a protocol, but there's, uh, there's, we have said there's a pattern on how you, you pray. But really, it's a relationship base. God removed that veil that separates the holy of holies so that people can come in. So really, you have access to the throne of grace through your prayer. And you can come to him as naturally as you would speak to a friend of yours. Amen? So, if you devote all yourself to all of this, what does this do? It really brings growth to you. It brings a personal growth. And personal growth really is our own responsibility. But how does that affect the entire body? Well, we can remember we said the, bo- the church is, like, is compared or likened to your physical body. And one, if one part of your body is hurting, your entire body feels. Would you agree? If you, get a, if you stub your, your big toe... At night, you, you, you got out of bed, you need the restroom in, the, in, the, in, in your hair, you stub your toe on the, the foot of the bed. What do you do? You speak out a French word that says, oh, do you know? Okay, but it hurts, correct? It hurts. It's only a toe, but yet you feel the pain in your entire body. Whenever, uh, and as a church, as a, as a gathering of, the, of believers, we also feel what's hurting on the church. What's hurting with other people. We have a, a prayer group that happens on Saturdays. And like what I said, God speaks to us through visions. God speaks to us through other means. And God is always faithful to speak to people to let them know that there's something hurting within the body. And part of that is really because uh, like, uh, like how we start, there, there are trials that people go to. And it, sometimes it is painful. So the... Because the way God designed the church, the gathering of believers, other believers can also feel that there's something going on. We just sometimes can't explain it. So how do, we, how do we resolve it? Well, we go into prayers. Amen? So devote yourself to the Bible, reading the Bible, meditating on the Bible, uh, studying the Bible. Devote, devote yourself to fellowship. Devote yourself to communion. And devote yourself to prayers. That's how we can grow individually. And when we grow individually, guess what? We, can, we grow corporately. That's just how, it grow, how, that's just how the, the church grows. When each one grows individually, really corporately we also grow. Plus, it's easier for God to speak to you when you're devoted yourself to reading the word. When you devote yourself to prayer. It's much easier. It makes the job of the pastor much easier when, when, when he speaks on Sunday because you already have your word time. You already have your prayer time. Amen? So that's one way we can, that we can participate or get involved with the church. By devoting yourself to these four things. This is just, and this is only four things. There's much more, okay? But since this is what's in the scripture, we'll follow that. The second thing that we can uh, be part of, how we can participate with the body of believers is a lifestyle of discipleship.
you might hear this word week in and week out. We, we exist to honor, to honor God and to make disciples in Micronesia and beyond. Go ahead and show them the next slide. And you probably have seen this illustration before. This is what we use. This is an illustration that we use uh, to really show you what we call the discipleship journey. Well, what is discipleship to begin with? Discipleship is really, two, is really a two-fold uh, or it's a, two-way th- it's a two-way word. First word is really you begin, salvation begins by you receiving and really believing what Christ has done for you. That's the beginning point. That's where it says, uh, well, well, not yet. That's your beginning point. And then, as I said, you grow spiritually. So how, do, how does that happen? You grow in your relationship. So in this illustration, you see where it says, start here, engage. You're here because somebody else invited you here. Is that correct? Did somebody come here out of nothing, out of nowhere? Somebody invited you here. Well, the Bible did say that it is unless the Father draws you in, you won't be here. But I am here because I know my sister prayed for me, Mary, and she prayed hard for me to get into the kingdom of God. Now I'm here in, in front of the stage. Unbelievable, right? So it starts there. It starts there. I was engaged by somebody. Somebody uh, took their time to, build re- to, to get me and build relationship with me. Though she was my sister, I didn't really grow up with her. So when, we, when, when I finally got back here, and it was, uh, it was a pretty, uh, she's not here, so I can tell on her. Just don't tell her. But it was really not an easy, <laughs> an easy relationship. <laughs> when we stand, she can tell you. She can be honest. We, we, we didn't really have a good relationship to begin with. <laughs> we were like cats and dogs. Yeah. But now we're, we love each other dearly. Okay. <laughs> Plus she's the boss of the church. So I have to submit. <laughs> Just in case you don't know who Marianne is, she's our administrator. Pretty much she runs the church. When it co- when really, she really runs the church. So she's, uh, we consider her the boss. Anyway, somebody engages you. Somebody, when you go to a, I got this thought. When you go to, the, to buy your car, you go to a car dealership. The salesman's, act, the sales, the, whoever, uh, the first salesman that come in, what did they do? They engage you with a conversation. Isn't it not? Hey, so-and-so, hey, what are you looking for? You know, the typical but what is their purpose? Why they're engaging you? To sell you a car, isn't it? After you've gone to their bola bola, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> bola bola is a, is really, is it a Tagalog word? Is it a Chamorro word? To really uh, inflate things up, to make it, to make it sound so good, and to make you want to feel like yeah, <laughs> and that's that's what bola bola is. We use that word a lot at work. <laughs> okay. Well, you're making bola bola to me again, huh? You just want something. So what is it? That's how we, we use that word. So that pretty much that's what a salesman do. They engage you. I'm sorry if you're a salesman. I don't mean, I, I don't really mean any of that. Okay. It was uh, for illustration purposes only. Okay. Forgive me. I'm so sorry. Okay. I might get in trouble for that. <laughs> but anyway, they engage you. Okay. Just say, ouch. I'm sorry. If you are, just say out. But they engage you. Why? Because they have an agenda. They have a purpose, which is to sell you your car. Right? Once, you, once they sell you your vehicle, do you hear from them again? Mostly no, right? Once in a while, they email you. Once in a while, they, they'll, they'll text you. Is everything okay? But, but most of the times, no more. The engagement stops. Isn't it? And I know you guys feel it because I feel it too. 
I called, I called them back and said, man, they didn't even return my call. It's like I needed something. Well, anyway, so engagement, that's what they do. They engage because they have, a, they have an agenda, they have a purpose. Well, we don't do it that way. Our engagement is not the same way that, uh, because we don't have an agenda. When you come to church, it's not that whoever engaged you gets a, gets a stripe in their shoulder, or they get promoted, or they get a brownie point. So a lot of people think that way. Oh, you just want to invite me to church so you can get a brownie point, huh? No. I have this relationship that began because somebody else engaged me, and because I have taken this discipleship journey, which we have been talked about. So in return, I'm doing the same thing. So going back to the discipleship journey. So engage. It all begins with engage. You coming to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how it begins. Then the second E, establish. What is establishing all about? We have all this one-to-one victory weekend, foundations for victory. I'm running out of time. Making disciples, making disciples, training leaders. What is all of this? All of these are tools that we use And tools are being, if you're a workman, you know what tools are. A tool is a device, a program that will make your job so much easier. Right? You you can use a handsaw or a circular saw. Your handsaw might take you a few minutes to cut the wood. You grab a circular saw, that wood can be cut in a few seconds. So the same thing. All these things, the ones outside the circles, are classes, are books that we use so that it can help you develop your spiritual growth. That's what really it is. It's a tool to make it easier for us to grow in our walk with the Lord. That's all this are. Don't be intimidated by all this program. I know sometimes when we see illustrations like this, it tends to be rigid. It seems to be like, oh, I have to do this first before I can get here. Church, these, if, you're, if you're new to us, these are all the tools we use so that it can help us make it easier to develop our, our walk with God. That's all that is. So we get to engage, then we go to establish. Establish, we have Victory Weekend. If I, I'll just read it to you. This two-day retreat helps you understand and experience the victory Christ won for you on the cross. Then we had the foundation for victory. This class helps you establish a solid biblical foundation necessary to build a storm-proof life. In that part of establish, we're going to be adding this curriculum, church community. Then in the future, see, this is where we can really add on things in the part where we want to establish you in a, in a solid foundation. We'll be adding the financial uh, stewardship eventually. It's most likely going to fall under establish. That's what you do. You build a foundation so that this, this life that you're, this Christian life you can, that you're trying to grow in, you would have a solid foundation. Then it says equip. Then we have a class called Making Disciples. This class equips you to be effective in sharing your faith and ministering to others. Um, then another one, really quick, Making Disciples. This class empowers you to start and lead a healthy and fruitful big, uh, victory or life group. See, those, of you, those that are doing life group leaders, you can say that, is it easy? No. Is it difficult? Yes. Or, yeah, there's a challenges in doing big, uh, life group. There's a challenge in uh, hosting live group. But some of these classes, since they're a tool, it helps you. It makes it so much easier. So these are, that's what it is. So the journey is, it goes all the way around how you were engaged by someone because they wanted to sell you a car. No, but because they wanted to show you who Jesus is. They engage you. So once you give your life to God, then we build on you. We establish foundations. That's what you do. And then we equip you. Equipping, 
uh, and then we empower you. Now, just to make it clear, not everybody is called to be a pastor, granted. Not everybody is called to be a full-time minister, granted. But everybody can share with other people their experience with God. Man, everybody. What you read today, make it a habit of reading. You can share what you just read. Proverbs, today is the 6th. So Proverbs chapter 6. If you read Proverbs chapter 6, you go to, or chapter 7, tomorrow is Monday. You go to work. You can share one single verse to people who needs it. That could be your form of engagement. I, I recently got, in, uh, I'm recently uh, been engaging my coworker. I don't have time to tell the entire story, but it, it happened because I was listening to Guns N' Roses. <laughs> That's how it happened. I was listening to Guns N' Roses, and the engagement started, okay? I don't recommend that song. It's not really a good song, but uh, not a good genre, by the way. But I was just happened to be listening to it, so the engagement started, okay? We started talking about Bible. We started talking about all these ministers of the Word. We start, I started, uh, so I pulled out my phone. I started doing the God test. See, engagement, because of Guns N' Roses, there's a lesson to be learned, okay? So, but that's the thing. But the point is, it's not, I'm not trying to get a point from Pastor Mark that, oh, Pastor Mark, I engaged somebody today. You know, no. We have this great life called uh, life, a new life in Christ, Jesus, having Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And your goal is to share it, okay? Can I, can I tell on the roots Jackie, have you tried their corn soup? <laughs> have you tried their corn soup? No? Okay. Those guys have tried their corn soup. <laughs> the first time I tried their corn soup, we were doing the annex. We were building the annex. It was so good. I said, hey, who made this? Of course, it was the roots. I said, and then again, they, every time we have a function in the church, they would bring their corn soup. And it's typical in Guam, where when you go to a gathering, you bring your best your best dish, right? That's common. You bring the best thing. So let that be what compels you when you engage. You bring a corn soup. Meaning, you bring the best thing that people are looking for. I mean, I loved it. I know it's theirs. I'm sorry I, I didn't ask permission. But we're family, right? We're church community. But that's the thing. Let that, let that be what compels you to engage people. Is because you have something so good. You have that great corn soup that everybody's looking for and asking for. In fact, now I think the church would ask them, hey, we're having a gathering. Can you guys bring corn soup? That's what it is. So that's, let that be what compels you to engage people is because you have this great corn soup that you cannot wait to, tell, to let everybody else taste it. Amen? And I'm out of time as always. So yeah, it's a third. So this is what we can uh, devote yourself into. Get into that place where let yourself grow in your relationship with God. Yes, there are people who would be called to full-time minister as full-time ministers, but we can always share our experience with God. We can always share a corn soup with other people. Amen. I think that would stick, Art and Jack. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. If I can just get the music thing to come up, Father, thank you. Oh, you are such a good God, Lord. Thank you, Father, for, for what you did that through the church, speaking of the communion, it says that uh, Jesus said, if you take this blood, this is the blood of the new covenant. Paul talks about the new covenant 
in Ephesians that it is because of Jesus that we actually are able to share in that covenant. He talks about in Ephesians where he was telling the Gentiles, remember, therefore, you were Gentiles before. You had no hope and you had no God. But because of what Jesus did, hope was brought to us. The promise of God was brought to us that we can share the same blessings as Abraham had. Amen. And that's what really Jesus brought to our life. Just that the blessing, uh, it talks about in Ephesians again, it says, Thank be to God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who has provided for us. Well, I'm not made be the exact word, but He has given to us every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Our access to all these heavenly blessings or all these spiritual blessings is really Jesus. That's the only reason why we can even call ourselves a Christian. That we can even be blessed this way. It's because of Jesus. He is the beginning and He is the end. He's the one that begins that journey in your life and He's the one that will bring it to completion. Amen? Amen. Just want to give an opportunity. If you're here today and you have not began that relationship, I just want to give you an opportunity. I know we're out of time, so let's just do this really quick. If that's you, you have never, everybody would do, if you're, keep your eyes closed and your head uh, bowed. If you've never made a formal decision, you've never uh, uh, believed in your heart, you've never accepted him, not once, and just pray a prayer, Lord, I receive you. Just pray with me. Uh, let's not even just not, not even raise your hand. But if, this is, if that's you, just pray with me. Okay, I'll pray for you. Just receive this, Father. I receive what you have given to me through what Jesus Christ has done. I thank you that through Jesus Christ, I can become part of the family of God. That because of what Jesus did on the cross, I am part of this community. So, Lord, thank you for dying on the cross. And thank you, Father, for thinking of me and for loving me when you were at the cross. I receive you and I accept you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.